Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Boker Tov, Malka Fleischer, good morning. Good morning. Wow, Yishai. Yesterday was a momentous, historic day. It was that it was thusly for you. It was thusly for me. It was thusly for the United States of America. It was thusly for Israel. It was a very beautiful and incredible day because something very special happened. Mm-hmm. What was it, Ishai? Tell them. Former VP, Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence, came to visit Hebron with his wife, Karen. And uh, I had the opportunity to tour them. The and it was, first Vice President of the United States who has ever come on a tour of right. Hebron. Uh, and just, a, just one of the highest levels delegations ever and uh and then he not only did he have an amazing time not only was he spiritually moved he put it out there he tweeted two different tweets about his visit to hebron to the tomb of the forefathers and mothers i was in every picture it was unbelievable, unbelievable. i you was know? in one picture guys that's right I want that's you to- right i was in a tweet by the former vice president of the united states that's right. historic that's right that's right that's historic for me that's right but in seriousness it was an out, like an hour and a half tour. Yes. It wasn't just a like, put your feet on the ground, look around, photo op, get out of there. Oh my gosh, we got to get out of here. Right. He really gave serious time. <clears throat> Isha, you gave tfu, 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 a an incredible tour of Hebron, both deep and succinct, I have to say. I want to give you credit for that because it's there, you could be there all day long and still not get everything, but you managed to put into an hour and a half in not a crazy, uh, not digestible way, like a lot of good stuff for for the vice president and his uh, lovely wife, Karen. And they were very gracious, and their team was excellent. And it was like a magical, beautiful, incredible, blessed day. It was just special. It was amazing, and I, I was very moved. I, I did a few things there that were the... Uh, the, the highlights, I knew that I had to start it off strong. So the first thing I did was before anything else, I just wanted to, I, I, the first thing I did, I was like, before I like tour you, which means I'm giving you information and now you have to listen. Before I do that, let me just change polarity for a second and just say thank you, especially for when a few years back, UNESCO decided to declare that the Tomb of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs in Hebron is a Palestinian World Heritage Site. You guys, your administration, your White House, you guys left UNESCO based on that anti-Israel decision. And I just want to say thank you and honor your fight for historic truth, for, for true heritage. So then I got his attention. Second thing I said to him, let's take out the Bible. And this was an idea that I had to print out chapter 23, the purchase of the Maratha Machpelah, the purchase of the uh, monumental site for the burial plot for the first family of Israel. I took it out of my pocket. Your idea that you gave me is that I would give him a copy as well. And I took it out of my, out of my pocket uh, both copies, and I opened it up, and we read along together about the purchase. And, and it's caught on video, too. Now, we haven't put it out yet, though, because you know what? There was just uh, afterwards I didn't... Well, it's not just that. Yeah. They, but there's a lot of, you know, there's security a lot of politics stuff. and yeah. security issues around it. First of all, they just wanted him to get in and out safely. Uh, and thank God, Hebron is the kind of place where you really do mostly get in and out safely. But things can happen, and you don't want—you certainly don't want that to happen for the Vice President of the United States. Um, but also politically, they had their considerations, and they asked that it not be come out until evening yesterday. Um, and you're working on it today, yes, getting it right. out, getting out the story. And uh, the vice, yeah, the Vice President put out beautiful tweets. The f- former ambassador to the United States. David Friedman also put out tweets, and things are starting to slowly come out. Jewish press um, has already started to cover the story, and I'm sure it will get out farther and farther. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was a beautiful day. It was a majestic day. There was a lot of pressure to, you know, security and time and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we went from the Overlook down to the museum, where we uh, learned about the 1929 massacre that destroyed the Jewish community and the rebirth of it in 1970. Not in, in, the, in the in well 19. 19- uh, 1968, but then the return to the Beit Hadassah building in 1979, and the whole process of coming back, and then from there we went to the Marat Machpelah. One of the things that I did there, which was special, first thing I gave my whole spiel that it's not the tomb of the patriarchs, but tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs, and which which is not only true, just T R U E true, right? 
But it also happened to be a, a particularly appropriate message given that the, vi- the vice president brought his wife, Karen, and she was attentively <clears throat> listening the whole time. That's right. And I think it's, uh, you know, mm. it's important to also show, and it's important for our people, <clears throat> that's for sure. But it's important to show all the rest of the nations also that, that the Jewish people is built on men and women. That's right. Uh, the truth is, the way I see it now and the way I present it to people, I say to them, calling it the Tomb of the Patriarchs is, is a fundamental incorrectness. Right. It, it just isn't that. It was first for matriarchs. Right. And, and the, the whole, first person who went in there <clears throat> to be interred was a matriarch, right. not the, a The patriarch. beauty of it, its magic, is that it's the Tomb of the Patriarchs and matriarchs. It wouldn't be there without the matriarch. I don't even want to say it that way. It what it it's not that it wouldn't. It it's whole essence. It's that it's family. That's the right. whole essence of it. Okay, well we're shifting it. People, I'll t- I'll tell you. Even my mentor Noam Arnon is going to be on the show today. Oh great! Even he has shifted the gear. That's nice. Yeah. it's just right. It's, it's right. Just right. Exactly. It's not, and it has nothing to do with feminism or any kind of political modern woke anything to do with that. Yeah. It's just the correct way to see the place that's right exactly so it's a lot of fun and i'm really i'm really enjoying that uh that line uh, one of the things that i'm very proud of myself that i did on that very tight tour very tight uh is that at, at uh, the tomb the tomb monument room of abraham and sarah after i finished schmoozing and all that i kicked out everybody from the room we're talking about right. 40 people security people press this that i was like everybody out the pencils need a minute by themselves right. to pray. And they did it. And and that it was... It was beautiful. And I peeked over the guards for a second. Yeah. Not overly. Not in a, <laughs> No, but you know, like I used my eyeballs and I saw over the guards that they were really having, like they were hugging basically the pences and like having a special moment. Ding it. That is just awesome. It was just, uh, it was lovely. It, it was, was really lovely. lovely. Yeah. It was very meaningful to me. I wasn't part of the delegation or whatever. I just came to help you, right? To hold stuff, like hold your book, hold your paper, and to see the vice president uh, because that is a real historic moment and that's a that's a, a good thing for the world. I don't know how to say it like that, that, that forces would combine in such a good way. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. That, the, that everyone would recognize the uh, greatness of Abraham and come together under the faith of the one God and, and that we can have th- these things in common with so many people around the world. And this is a, a unifying thing. Chevron. This is a thing that like connects us all is the faith in the one God. Not everybody. There's definitely people who, who fall into not worshiping one God. Some of them don't even realize they're doing it. But basically what I'm saying is that there are people who are trying very hard to connect to the one creator of heaven and earth. And we can come together through uh, the founder of that concept, who is mm-hmm. Abraham nechon, and nechon. his wife Sarah? Yeah, you you said something that was very very true, uh, and I can't go into it too much, uh, but the fact is, it was a uh, a lot of forces combined. Right, they combined into Voltron. <laughs> they co- they combined into. When I was a kid, there was this. For those who don't know, there was this cartoon called Voltron, and was there it was these like Voltron, or was it? Is he a transformer? No, he was not a transformer, but it was like that a little bit. In that, in that, there was these like I think it was five or six lions, and they would uh, combine. Yes. They were all like these they would jump robotic together. lions, and they would combine together to form Voltron. Voltron. And so, I always, you know, that was that was definitely an image. You know what I mean? Of like this 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 combined thing that becomes right. powerful. There was no yeah, question. There were a lot of people behind the scenes a lot, who a lot. who ensured that it was possible. You know, it's uh, it's like you can talk about the nice side of how. Um, the vice president came to Hebron and it's historic. It's never been done before in history. But there's the other side, which is just like making that happen, whether it's assuaging security fears, whether it's assuaging political fears, whether it's making sure that people feel comfortable to just embark on such a journey, whatever it is, there's a lot of people who like came together to, to ensure that it would be a beautiful day. Yeah. Um, yeah, or and, that and, it would happen at all. And those people are quiet and those people don't take a lot of glory. Um, and those people are really, really important. And so yeah. there's a lot of to like tens of people. We're talking about political people. We're talking about uh, we're talking about 
supporter people, financial people. Right. Uh, we're talking. We're talking. A lot of forces have to combine, just like you said. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, politics, uh, money, uh, uh, time, will, Bible. Right. Uh, y- you know. The, the, and and uh, all. I mean, not all. Like, but all the credit to Mike Pence. Oh yeah, and I, I was going to say. Like, I was just about yeah. to say, and I was just about. Uh, that's exactly what I was about to get to, which is which is that. And there's one more. And that is that that I felt it was great to touch yet again the Trump administration and what they did. And Mike Pence was a big part of that. Right. He was a big part of that. He wasn't the only part. No, not at all. But he was. Right. He was. A, a he force. was the pit. One of the pillars of the right way of thinking of nationalist right, policy towards absolutely. Israel. I heard something off the record. I heard uh, and I can say it here is that Pence did not want to take any part in the deal of the century. You're allowed to say this? Which is the one thing, which is the one thing that the Trump administration did for Israel, which was problematic, maybe wrong, okay, in my opinion. Uh, and any land cutting away is just not a good idea. And, and, and Pence was like not part of it. I did not hear that from him. I heard that from other people. My point is, is that like everything else, like all the things like leaving right. UNESCO, declaring Jerusalem the capital of Israel, the the so-called Pompeo Doctrine, which right. is the recognition of Jewish rights in Judea and Samaria, the uh, recognition of Jewish uh, control and rights and, 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 and full control of the Golan Heights, uh, the defunding of the PA, the big fight against UN uh, elements, which was not just UNESCO, but other UN elements, and just basically being like anti-Semitism will not be accepted right uh, you know you know well, the, but the, I, before yeah, you just one ahead. more point yeah, Malka, on. and and some of our listeners don't like it when we interrupt one another well these are jews yeah. you're listening to exactly okay right and if you don't like us interrupting one another then and married jews on married top of everything jews. what do you want that's right tough noogies okay <laughs> so uh yeah there's other go podcasts ahead. you know anyway <laughs> don't go there no don't no go no there. no They're stay bad. here stay here yeah um uh, gosh, Malka, I was just about to oh, launch into a thing. Hold on, let me war- let me warm it up again. Hold on one second. Here we go. There are so many versions about what the Trump administration did or did not do. I hear you know, and the history keeps going. You know, people forget, and the, and and what's what you're eating is today's food. You don't talk about what you ate many Shabbos ago, although it was awesome then, right? <laughs> Same thing with news. You deal with today's food, right? Today's news, but the Trump administration. And I go on record yet again here saying that was a window onto how the world could be. Let's just take just the UN thing. They were like, no, Sibra, no more. There's not going to be anti-Semitism coming. We're not going to fund this crap, okay? We're going to pull out of this stuff. We're going to stop funding it if you keep talking this garbage. And they were just drying up. The UN was drying up, but everywhere they went, they just couldn't do the same thing. And they, st- they were doing it much less because the American hammer was coming down on their head being like, stop that, okay? Now, the world that we're back in right now with the Biden administration and all that, we're back to the regular world. You know, the world as it was before. We'll support you, but we'll also allow these guys to smash you over the head. There, the Trump administration, they were, and let's call it in this case, you know, Trump Pence, they were like, no, nah, no, it's over, Okay. And it was beautiful. And what I mean by beautiful is not that Yishai and Maka were happy. I mean that there was a vision, a vision that I'll never forget, that the world could be run differently, that our vision about how the world could run, our vision for health for the world is possible. It can run the world. It can power the world and power it in a healthy way. And, and, and I'll never forget it. For me, I'll be like, and I... My, you know, and my soul knew it before even my brain knew it. You know what I mean? When when they were elected, I was like, "This is huge," and I'll always know, in the darkest times, that that. That's not to say that the administration was perfect. No, of course not. But they brought in such a new spirit and a new way of doing things. And the and the spirit that we were talking about for years that right. it could be done this way. Okay. Malka. In the meantime, while but we I had, just want to say, I'm sorry. Ahead, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say. I don't want to interrupt you. Go yeah. Ahead. Just that Mike Pence, I just want to say my impressions. He didn't say much. I wish he had said more. He didn't say very much. He left it for, uh, he mentioned in Ariel, he said this was one of the greatest privileges of my life. He said that to me like five times. Wow. I'm like, how are you feeling? Well, that's one of the tricks. A lot of times in guiding and these big moments, you're basically talking to them. Yeah, you're talking. One of the big tricks is to be like, no, no. To get them to say something. Let me get you to say something. 
I even have a video like that. It just, it just. Uh, uh, that would be nice to to put out some video of him saying something. Yeah, I have. <laughs> if you have something, I was being pushed down a staircase, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had my hand on a video button. Anyway, uh, I'll show it to you in a minute. Okay. But, uh, go ahead. Um, so I just want to say that that my impressions, having been up close to this individual and his and his wife for a, a pretty decent amount of time, an hour and a half, that's not small. He's real. He's the real thing. Yeah. Meaning to say, like, I know that he came across, like, his deal was that he's, like, a, a believer and that his deal is that he's, like, a Bible person and maybe that's, like, his persona. No. It's not a persona. It's not, like, a put-on. He exudes, like, belief. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he is the kind of person he just really seems, and his wife also, um, seem like the kind of people who are strong enough to like take a position like the kind of position that he had for four years and humble enough to just come to Abraham and be like, I'm one of the people who follow your path. Yep. Amen. I have to say, I, I, I have to, I have to say that's right, Malka. That's, that's exactly right. Yep. No, can't say it better than that. Uh, in the meantime, a war continues to rage in, um, Ukraine. in Ukraine. Our good friend Josh Wander is on the scene, uh, and he's been posting some amazing videos that you can find at Israel365.com and their Ukraine mission. Check out check out Josh Wander. I'm tr- going to try to have him on the show. It might be next week. I don't know. I'm trying but to be in touch with him. You should go to Israel365.com, and they, they're on their page. You can find out how to, to give to their um, effort to get Jews out of Ukraine. That effort, by the way, is real. I know that there's a lot of organizations raising money. I'm sure they're trying to do their best with their money, but I cannot vouch for them. But what I can say is that I know that there is a person on the ground in Ukraine sent by Israel 365, and he is personally going to stores and buying things and getting supplies and all this stuff and working like day and night tirelessly. And then that is like a real, real effort that Israel 365 is doing. Speaking of which... Vice President Pence got an Israel 365 Israel Bible. You know how we're always telling you guys to get the Israel Bible? Yeah. yeah. So somebody else got an Israel Bible. Yeah. I gave him an, uh, uh, the Israel Bible, and uh, you can find it at theisraelbible.com. Right. Uh, and you can put co- co- coupon code Yishai, get 10% off. So if and you I want to have mine. the same Bible as Vice President Mike Pence, I, then you go there. Yeah. And I wanted, I, I don't know why, but I was like, I'm going to, I wanted to do something for Tully and for the Israel Bible. And it was your idea. And it's to such give a beautiful him. thing. Also, yeah. it's it's just good for people to have one. Here's the thing, guys. When we promote things on this show, it's because we think those are good things. That's right. That's it's right. it's uh it's also we try to be real. You know what I mean? Like uh like my pen like Mike Pence, we found to be very real. Uh, we try to be real. So yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I, I oh gosh Almighty Barach Shemolahad. Speaking of reals, we spoke about Abraham. We spoke about Mike Pence. Hello, there's one more person to speak about, and I'll sing it. Moshe emet v'torato emet, Moshe emet v'torato emet, Moshe emet v'torato emet, Moshe emet v'torato emet. To one of the best Jews ever, Moshe Rabbeinu. That's right, it is Zion Adar today, which is Moshe's birthday and the day he died. La, 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 and that's it is right. a very auspicious day. It's an auspicious day for everyone who connects to the Torah of Moses. If you got the five books of Moses in your house, right? Why don't you crack that open today mm-hmm. and read a little something? He he worked pretty hard to write that down. So get out there and read some of that. Light a little candle. Give a little charity. Reconnect. Re reaffirm your connection. To Hashem, <clears throat> who was Moshe's boss. I was talking to the kids last night, and I was like, um, uh, I said to them, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to imagine Moses' glowing face as he comes down off the mountain. And uh, then we got into a little discussion with the kids, and the kids are like, <clears throat> you know, that was uh, 40 days after the uh, um, golden calf. Right. <clears throat> and I realized that seeing Moses coming down off the mountain with a glowing face is the greatest sign of of God's forgiveness. Like seeing the coin gadol coming out from the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur. When you see Moses' face coming down with the new tablets, 
and and that face is glowing, okay, that means that God has forgiven us and we're back. And that's that's an amazing thing. So today's the the, the yard site, the passing day, and the birthday of Moshe Rabbeinu. Maka Fleischer, you got a lot more to do uh, today, and you got yes, a meeting at do. work. At, you work for JNS.org, which is a great uh, uh, news website, news outlet, which is uh, really growing and going to be the, the leading nationalist uh, uh, outlet outfit soon. I want to wish you of blessed, uh, may, may Moses, oh, may he be in your life, may you be in his life, may you be part of the mosaic tradition. Ooh, amen. Thank you. What a beautiful blessing. You know, may on, 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 on uh, what's it called, Jet Blue, they have this thing called mosaic. They're like, are you a mosaic traveler? Because that's like, is that their special club? That's their special club. I'm like, yeah, I'm a mosaic traveler. <laughs> <laughs> I tell them every time. I'm like, don't you look at me? See the beanie? <laughs> See the beard? I'm a mosaic traveler. That's funny. Yeah, every time they they always they like get it. they don't get it. They're like, I don't get it. Anyway, do you want to show us your mosaic card, sir? I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Keep anyway. going quickly. God bless you, Malka. And thank you so much for being with us. I want everybody who loves to hear Malka <laughs> to uh, check out uh, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai, in which you could buy Malka a cup oh, of coffee. I, okay? I've gotten into coffee a little That's bit. That's right. But the coffee is a way to... Uh, it's, it's a way to... Um, it's a way to, to, to support our show, and we really appreciate it. Um, the last few weeks have been very, very rushed, uh, but still we, we, we work hard to put out a show for you. Maka's got to get to work, and I want to thank you so much. So go to yishaifleischer.com. For, oh, that's, that's the donate page, but if you want to go to the coffee page, it's buymeacoffee.com forward slash yishai, and send me, send me a message for how much you love Malka and having <laughs> her on the show. Well, and while you're doing that, then send a message to Yishai, a real big cola kavod for pulling off like a beautiful moving uh, hosting of the vice president of the United States. And really, honestly, we, we, sh- we told him, please send our blessings to the people of the United States. Please send um, our invitation that the people of the United States should come to Hebron. Because really, uh, it is, it is a, uh, an important place and it is the um, inheritance of the Jewish people. But it's for us to share with all of you. It is for us to welcome you and to and it's your it's your fundamental right as a believing person to come and to um, bask in the glory over there, uh, like some of us have been blessed to do. Uh, and so we welcome you. Please come. All right, Malcolm. More great stuff is on the way. Noam Arnon, Doctor Noam Arnon, is next with two fabulous, interesting things that you didn't know about. Uh, and we'll see if we'll get into any other parts of the show. Lots of love, lots of blessings, lots of lots of uh, great people. Ascending that 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 connection to, of of that ancient chain all the way back to Abraham from this land to you where you are. Lots of love. We'll be right back. And shalom. Shabbat shalom. shalom. Shabbat shalom. Don't worry. The Ishai Flasher show will be right back. So stay tuned. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. I'm in the office uh, of the one and only Dr. Noam Arnon, uh, who is the legendary spokesman for the Jewish community of Hebron uh, and uh, an author, publisher, and really one of the world's experts on Marata Machpelah. That's his doctorate. That's actually the first doctorate ever given specifically on the Tomb of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs. We have two issues to talk about in Noam today that are, uh, let's just say, not, not the usual fare, not, not what everybody expects, you know, the regular stuff of Marata Machpelah, the forefathers and mothers. Well, everybody knows that there are three couples, in, uh, four couples, four couples. There's three couples that are shown in the building. That's Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob and Leah. Then there's Adam and Eve, the Zohar, said, the Zohar, the Zohar says so. But there's another couple. And that couple's memorial's coming right up. That is Zain Adar. The seventh of Adar, which is the yort site, the passing day of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Moses, our great teacher. And according to some Kabbalah and some Midrashim, more mostly hidden ones, ones that don't come to the you know forefront, uh, it indeed Moses and his wife Tzipporah are buried in Maratha Mechpilah. But how could that be, Noam? How could that be? It says in the Torah, it says it, Mefurash, clearly it says it. That 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 he's buried in Harnavo. Nobody will know where he's buried. How could he be that that Moses is buried in Maratha Machpelah? So, get, if you can answer that question, that would help our listeners a lot. Hi, Shai. 
And thank you for the very interesting question. Actually, we know that in the Torah, as you said, Moshe is buried in on the other side of the Jordan. But in Midrashim, and one of them is very famous, the Sifri, he said that there is a connection between Moshe and Me'arat HaMachpelah. You're looking, you're looking right at your computer now. You have all the, uh, the sources already written out. How do you know that there was some uh, underground uh, uh, tunnel between the grave of Moshe to the burial of the fathers? It said, And then it said, The word Shama is the same word, which means there is connection between the two graves underground tunnel, he, a very mysterious uh, fact that in the Midrash, well, it doesn't say that you can dig tomorrow and find it. Wait, wait, one second. I didn't understand. It says, Vayamot Sham Moshe. Yes. The and word, then... The word Sham, no. there. And the other word is... Shama Kavru. Shama Kavru et Avram ishto. Okay. A Chazal in the Midrash many times compare two words and connect them together well, it's sort of, of a legend that there is an underground tunnel between the grave of Moshe and the tomb of the fathers. Well, as I said, you can't dig and find it. It's spiritual tunnel. It's spiritual connection. This is one uh, midrash. The other okay, one, so one direction is that he's buried in Harnavo, but there's a, the Medrash, Sifri says, there's a kind of tunnel, a connection between Moses' tomb and the tomb of the forefathers and mothers. Okay. Now, there is another sefer in the name Megalit Funot, which is uh, discovering the, the mysteries. It said, The angels have moved Moshe from his grave to Merat HaMachpelah. And, and he said that there are some, some psukim that uh, uh, Moshe was moved by the angels and even Moshe Atzmo himself did not know where he is buried because he found himself in Merat HaMachpelah. Now, uh, the, the, the name Moshe, which is in Hebrew, Mem Shin Hei, it's also Malachei Sharet He'eviruhu. It means that the angels moved him to Merat HaMachpelah. So, so the, the word Moshe, the name Moshe is also an acronym for the ministering angels moved him. And there's another famous one I'm sure you're about to say, which is Moshe, which is Marat Zdeh HaMachpelah, right? The, the field of the cave of Machpelah. Okay. So uh, all these Midrashim and Kabbalistic sources uh, mean to us that there is a spiritual connection. So spiritually, Moshe is here in Marat HaMachpelah. And when we read in the Zohar, in the pages that open the Sfaradi Sidur, not the Ashkenazi one, but the, if you go to the Dot Mizrach Sidur, then you have a chapter from the Zohar uh, written by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and there is said, Raya Mehemna, the, uh, I always say that the shepherd, Moshe, is Raya Mehemna, the, 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 the uh, trustworthy shepherd. Yes. Ant ve'abahan, akitzu you and the fathers, please wake up, and please wake up the shechina, wake up the, the divine presence, uh, which, is, which is sleeping. And there it said that Raya Mehemna, the shepherd, the trustful shepherd, he woke up with the fathers. So in the Zohar, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said that they are really together and they wake up together. It means to us that spiritually Moshe and Zipporah, by the way, is also in Merat HaMachpelah. And in one of the Medrashim it said that in Merat HaMachpelah we have three couples that we know about them. Gluim, the uncovered couples. Revealed. Revealed. And two of them are Nistarim, are mysterious. The Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, and Moshe and Zipporah. It means that uh, according to Jewish holy tradition, mysterious tradition, uh, Moshe is also in Merat HaMachpelah, and therefore, there was a minag, many, many Jews, uh, before 1929, came to Hebron, 
on Zayin Adar, the seventh of Adar, to daven here, to pray on the tomb of, the, near the tomb of the fathers, and also to pray in the tomb of Moshe uh, in Hebron. But what happened after the destruction of the Jewish community of Hebron in 1929, and even more after the Jordanian occupation in 1948, uh, there was no access for Jews to Hebron, so this is why they moved to Miron to pray there in Zion Adar. But in our days, I think we can renew this habit to come to Hebron and to pray here, which is the place is much more connected to Moshe than Miron anyhow. So please come and feel yourself a part of uh, the uh, ongoing uh, minhag, ongoing uh, presence of davening and praying in Merat HaMachpelah in Zion Adar. Okay, so the seventh of Adar, Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu's Yortzeit, his day of passing, was celebrated in Hebron uh, because that is understood to be his mystical burial place. And that tradition is starting again. It was broken by the, uh, the jihadist riot that destroyed the Jewish community here in 29 and the Jordanian occupation of 48. Now we're back. And it's time to come back and celebrate the great leader, Moses. And in general, I'd like to say, everybody on Zion Adar, raise up your glass and say L'chaim to a great leader. We don't toast our leaders that are the great leaders enough. We got to say L'chaim and be so thankful that we have a Moses. So, okay, Dr. Noam Arnon, we, uh, we talked about a tradition that was lost and is coming back now. Here's a tradition that needs to be fixed, potentially. And that is the question of when we read the Megillat Esther here in Hebron. What am I talking about? The Megillat Esther is read according to the law in one of two dates, either the 14th of Adar or in very few places, actually very, very few places on the 15th of Adar. Where do you read it on the 14th? Everywhere. But where do you read it on the 15th? In cities that were walled cities from the time of Joshua. What cities are those? Well, there's not really that many of them. Some people say in Tveria, they might read it on the second day. Uh, and a few of the old cities, maybe, you know, like certainly Jericho, if there was a community there, you would read it there. Where other cities, they read it on the second day. In, in those cities, in any case, Noam, what, is there any other cities that they read it the second day? Actually, no one. Actually, today, no one city, no one place, no one community reads Megillah in the second day with bracha. Which ones read it on the second day? Um, some of them in Yafo, Jaffa. Some of them in Tveria. Some of them in Tzfat. Some of them even today in Lod. Some of them in Bechemesh. Other cities that are connected or are very close, very near to ancient towns that exist in Eretz Israel from the time of Joshua, which means the late Bronze Age and the Iron Age. Fine. Now, there is one city, of course, that... that that does read it on the 15th. And that's the only other city other than Shushan that's mentioned in the Megillat Esther, and that's Jerusalem. Jerusalem reads it, and Jerusalem celebrates Shushan Purim. Jerusalem gets dressed up as Shushan for one day, and we're, and everybody like myself who likes to party in two days for Purim does one day where I live, and then the second day to Yerushalayim. But Dr. Normanon, you wrote recently a, um, an article a really a halachic treatise, which is really not your department exactly, right? You're not really uh, a rabbi of the halachic variety. But still, though, this is something very important to you because this has something to do with archaeology that has been uncovered, discovered in the last few years only, which really proves that indeed Hebron, without a shadow of a doubt, was a walled city in the time of Joshua. And therefore, the conclusion should be that, it sh- that the Megillah should be read here on Tedvav, uh, the, uh, of Adar, the 15th of Adar, and not the 14th of Adar. And you've even put out an article about this. So tell me a little bit about why you're so sure that, uh, that the halacha should be changed and that the second day that's read here should be read with a bracha and not even on the first day. Go full on, like Yerushalayim, Hebron should be like Yerushalayim, like it's a sister city of Jerusalem, should be read on the second day. Well, as you said, I'm not a rabbi, I'm not a posek halacha, but uh, it's, my, it's a sort of uh, opinion that uh, the rabbis should consider and make their their statement. Anyhow, um, 
according to the Tanakh, it's very clear that Hebron was uh, surrounded by a wall. That's, that's for sure. You can read many, many uh, verses in Tanakh speak about the wall of Hebron. But what, what happened then? Why, why did they decide in the previous generations that Hebron is Mukefet Choma, is surrounded by a wall? Because they didn't decide that. They, decided, they didn't decide. They went against that idea. Because, so this is why we read in Hebron in the two days, because it's a sort of a doubt. It's ir safek. Why we, why we do it? Because uh, Hebron was also ir miklat. It's a town of... Um, uh, hold on one second. I'm getting the word in my head. Uh, everybody, all the listeners already got center. it. Uh, yeah, yeah, a uh, refuge, city of refuge. That's right. So, Ir Miklat, according to some opinions, cannot be surrounded by a wall. And this is why, okay, you have a wall, but you're not sure if it's considered a wall because it's Ir Miklat. And supposedly they said that because it's a refuge, a town of refuge, they destroyed the wall. The Jews destroyed the wall to make Hebron um, fitting to, to a refuge. So this is what they thought all the generations. This is why we have Purim and Hebron two days. It's great. Which in the second day, you do not read the Megillah with a bracha. That's right. That's right. But Wait, I just want to ask you something. Am I coming to your house this on, on the second day? Are you going to be reading it with a bracha? Bottom line, yes or no? Not yet, because I'm waiting for a psika from a rav. Okay. I made my statement, but I'm waiting for a psika. I don't want to, inter- to interrupt. Anyhow, but what happened in the diggings and excavations in Hebron in 2014, the last excavations in Hebron, they found that the Canaanite wall, the the Canaanite uh, fortress, not only that it was not destroyed by the Jews, but the opposite is right. It was strengthened by the Jews. You can find towers near the wall that the Jews in the first temple period added to the Canaanite wall to strengthen it. They, they fortified the wall. So now we can be sure that they did not destroy the wall. And the opposite is right. This wall was existing in the time of Yoshua, and then in the time of uh, the, the Shoftim, the, the judges, and then in the time of the Melachim, of King David and Solomon and Rechavam. Rechavam also, uh, it said in the Bible that he made this wall much more strong. Fortified it. Fortified it. So, today you cannot use the the common, I would say, assumption that the wall was destroyed. So now, now you have a question. How could it be Irmiklat, town of refuge, with a wall, and this is why we found um, a, a letter from Rav Cook, Rabbi Cook, the chief Rabbi Cook, that he said very, very brightly that Ir Miklat must be uh, fortified and strengthened with a wall. So the previous assumption was not correct. And this is what we wrote, me, myself, and my friend Rav Farsemon from Hebron, uh, suggesting, okay, suggesting to the rabbis, please consider the new excavations and please consider to change the day. We, we will continue to have two days in Hebron uh, of Purim, but the bracha will be in the second day. And uh, the Rav Kook said something very, very close, very um, near to, to in Bait Vagan in Yerushalayim, in the beginning of Bait Vagan, the two days of Purim, and the bracha will be in the second day. So there is uh, um, a, a strong uh, uh, foundation and a strong reason to change the halachic situation in Hebron. Okay, we published it in Hebrew. Uh, please, er- everyone of you who want to read it in Hebrew or to translate it is invited to do it, and I will be glad if one of you will hear it and and translate it to English. Um, I can send it to anyone. It's free. We want to put it in the web, and uh, you can read it. And maybe in some day, the rabbis uh, will will decide 
And of course, we are not uh, designing ourselves to change the halacha. We give it to the rabbis to decide and we wait for their, their decision. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. Two things. First thing is that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu and his uh, wonderful wife, Tzipora, our great leader, uh, is buried, at least spiritually, at Marat HaMachpelah, and that here in Hebron, uh, it is the second day, which is prob- probably the more correct day to say the bracha for the reading of Megillat Esther, because it is indeed a city, a walled city from the time of Joshua. Dr. Noam Arnon, thank you so much, and happy Purim. And may we, we uh, merit to get rid of the uh, memory, erase the memory of Amalek here in this town of Hebron. That's right, and uh, everyone is invited to Saudat Purim in the second day. We do it every year, especially in the second day, to make sure that, that this is the very day of Hebron, of Purim and Hebron, is, must be the second one. You are listening to the Israel Podcast with Ishai Fleischer, broadcasting live from Judea to the world, and you are a part of it wherever you are. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, and there's a lot going on, thank God, there's a lot going on, but it wouldn't go on without your help, without your love, and I want to thank so much Yochevet Seidman, Moshe Herman, Ben Bresky, Tabitha, and Lou for getting the show out to the world. God bless you guys, you guys make it happen, thank you, and thank you to all the folks that support the show, and thank you for uh, all of our uh, sponsors, including the Hebron Fund, hebronfund.org, keeping the Hebron Jewish community safe and strong, and therefore open to visitation of the Tomb of the Forefathers and Mothers, uh, hebronfund.org, uh, our good friends at Prohibition Pickle, making great pickles and great delicious uh, salty fish, and the schmaltz and the herring, both together combined. Uh, when you combine schmaltz and herring, great things happen. Again, it's like Voltron. Uh, and uh, you can check them out at Prohibition Pickle on their Facebook page and on their uh, Instagram page, and thereby you could also... Um, support some of your favorite folks by sending them a delightful gift basket for Shabbos. Uh, we also have JewishPress.com. They make the show happen. They send out a show every single week, and they write great news. And also a new syndicate that we're joining soon, which is JNS.org, uh, writing great news uh, and making sense of Israel, not the uh, nonsense that some of the other folks are, are writing. Um, I also want to uh, thank all the folks that uh, donate through buymeacoffee.com uh, forward slash Ishai or through the IshaiFleischer.com Facebook page, uh, not Facebook page, uh, website and the donate button there. Of course, you could join us on social media and all our various outlets. Uh, all of them are there for you to be part of the story of Israel and to be, start, be part of the story of the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. And of course, that's God's vision, God's dream. And you are a part of it. Now, lastly, uh, I want to get to a little table Torah, and um, I actually just said it. I actually just said it, which is, what story are you a part of? That's the table Torah, because this Shabbat, we're actually doing uh, the first uh, Torah portion in the book of Vayikra, but it's also, which Vayikra is Leviticus, but it's also uh, the Torah portion that we add on to it, which is called Zachor. Parshat Zachor, you got to read about Amalek. Now, why is it important to read about Amalek? Why is it important that the Torah says that you have to remember the yearly, uh, once a a year you're supposed to remember what the crimes that Amalek did to the Jewish people? Why is that important? Well, on the one hand, you know, it serves a, a function of justice. Right? An injustice was done against you. It's easy to forget it with the passage of time. Crimes are committed. And, you know, there's so many great movies about great lawyers who, who dig up justice, even though it's kind of long forgotten. So, on the one hand, you know, crimes were committed against Jews. People were murdered. Uh, so suddenly, the, the flashes of the Holocaust and Ukraine come into my mind. Uh, and so reading about Amalek means God says, I hold a grudge, which is another way of saying I will hold out long justice. I will, I will make sure that even though it doesn't seem like justice is being done immediately, uh, if the Jewish people remember that injustice that has been done against them, then, uh, then eventually justice will be done. And those who need to be brought to punishment, even if they're just souls, will be. Fine. So that's one aspect of it. 
But another aspect of it, which is, I think, a little bit more for us, uh, people, humans on this earth, is the understanding of which narrative, which story we're really in. Because you could just believe that it's all about anti-Semitism and the Jewish people are persecuted and now they have a country and it's a democratic country that, that, that's trying to defend the persecuted uh, minority and it's a country like all other countries and that whole spiel. You could, you could totally you know, read the Times of Israel and get that, get, get that narrative and believe it. And then you have you know, an ADL and an ACLU and a, I don't know, and a, you know, what else? Um, some kind of you know Jewish organization defending Jewish rights and and uh, fighting combating anti-Semitism and that kind of thing. It's like okay, well, all right, you know. So we're trying to survive. There's bad guys who are trying to kill us. That whole thing. When you read the Amalek story, you understand that it's so much deeper than that. The commandment to re- read the Amalek story is to be like, wait a minute. It's not that we're just like a persecuted minority, and uh, we have to survive. And also we, you know, uh, come up with some, uh, you know, Nobel Prize winning inventions from time to time. No, no. There is a God energy. And then there is anti-God energy in this world. There's the Jews who are trying to be the channels of God. And that's what they have to remember, that they're the channels of godliness. And then there is Amalek, which are the bizarro, anti-Jewish, anti-God folks. And that's what this is about. This is a war on God. That's what the Amalek story is there to teach you. It's not just, uh, it's not just, uh, it's not just about anti-Semitism and something kind of very mundane and very superficial. There's something so much more behind it. There's God, and he's trying to bring his presence into this world through the advent of the Jewish people and other and other aspects, and other people, and other things that that uh, help bring God into this world. And then there's the anti-force. And when you read it like that, you're like, okay, I'm part of a narrative, I'm part of a story. And the hardships that Israel faces, the Jewish people face, and I face, not me, Yishai Fleischer, but you, uh, wherever you are when you're trying to promote and talk about these things, that's part of a global battle for justice, no, for much more than justice, for God's holy name to be present in this world. And so when we read about Amalek, we're actually reading about God. When we're reading about Amalek, we're actually reading about that God has got a battle to be in this world. When we're reading about Amalek, the bad guy is like, you see what I'm really about? It's much more than, uh, than something very mundane and superficial. It's about a battle for, 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 for God's presence in this world physically and consciously. And that's what Purim is about. And God's hidden. And we're fighting back, you know, these forces that want to destroy, destroy the Jews because they want to make sure that God's uh, uh, name will be completely erased, blotted out. That's, that's what Amalek's about. It's about blotting it out. Uh, and so um, that's why I love Parshat Zachor. It's, it's maybe, maybe if God is hidden in the Megillah, at least the bad guy isn't. The bad guy is not hidden. And through the bad guy, you could learn what the whole thing is about. If you understand what his real motivations are, what he really, really wants, and what he really wants is to erase God's name. And so we understand what we have to do, and we understand the real battle that we're part of. So that's uh, Table Torah for uh, today's show. I want to really bless you um, to continue be part of that great story, to identify Amalek. If you can identify Amalek in your life, you'll be able to identify God in your life. That you heard it here first. If you can identify Amalek, you will be able to identify God. Through Amalek, I guess, I guess I'm saying something even, even, even wilder. Through Amalek, you could see God in this world. And that's actually what, uh, that's actually what uh, Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law, Yitro, saw. He saw the great miracles, and he also saw the anti-force of Amalek activating against the Jews, and therefore he realized that that indeed this must be uh, this must be a real thing. Uh, this must be a godly thing that's happening. So let us, if we can, I see God in this world. Can we see His enemies? And His enemies, we laugh when we point at them and we see, ha! If you're an enemy of God, that's because God exists, and we see you and we identify you and we will fight you. And that's what Purim is about. Um, I may not see God, but I see his enemies, and that way I see God, and I laugh. I laugh because it's funny how pathetic uh, and yet serious 
the the battle against God is. But the the, the reason it's funny is because we know who is going to laugh last. That's what Purim. Purim Purim is the last laugh holiday. It's <laughs> who he who laughs who laughs last, right? We will outlast because we're connected to the eternal God energy. And in the end, it's His world. It's His world in the end. And that's why. And that's why it's so. That's why it's funny. And and there's another level of funniness, which is maybe even more philosophically uh, hard to understand. But in the end, he created this world this way. And on Purim, you say, well, God, it is your world. You created it this way. And with all the holocausts and the hardships, we know it's your world in the end. We know that you're going to appear in the end. And thank you so much for letting us be part of it. Thank you so much for letting me be part of your life. Lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. Write me an email, yishayishayfleischer.com. Stay strong, stay tuned, stay connected. God is broadcasting 24-7 from His holy land where His eyes are upon the land all year long. Never stops. And He is on your, His eyes are upon your life when your eyes are upon the land as well. God bless you. Stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected. And shalom. Tune in for an exclusive interview from the border of Ukraine and Moldova. If what I saw was absolutely incredible, rabbis who had fled from the Ukraine, each of whom had led very large communities, and they first made sure that their entire community would leave safely and soundly. And then they themselves came carrying their Torah scrolls from their synagogue, not knowing if they would return. Journalist Gil Hoffman gives a first-hand look at the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. You had organizations like Israel helping people regardless of whether they were Jewish or not Jewish. You've got Jews helping Gentiles, Gentiles helping Gentiles, Gentiles helping Jews, and Jews helping Jews. For the full interview, listen to Rejuvenation with Eve Harrow on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. I won't be chased out of Kiryat Shmona because it's my home. In addition, my wife was disabled in the use of both legs by a Katusha rocket attack. Despite all that, I stay and will stay forever. This week on The Jewish Story, as Yasser Arafat and the PLO were amassing troops along the border, the city of Kiryat Shmona was facing bombardment. It all came to a head with the assassination attempt against Israeli Ambassador Shlomo Argov, in 1982. With their ambassador critically ill in hospital after being shot in London last night, the Israelis have taken swift action in retaliation. The Lebanon War, Part 1. That's The Jewish Story with Rav Mike Foyer on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.